way, people. October 8th, 2022. Welcome to Counterspin. Yes, we are back. And what is somewhat of a Frankenstein creation? We've cobbled bits and bobs together to bring you this episode, one that you want to watch, you need to share, and the information is vital to those people still believing the official narrative. So never stop asking questions, always demand accountability. People, we are going to win this. Make no mistake about it, Hannah. And the reason why we keep going is because we care. We care about you guys. We care about the future of humanity. And our guests who are joining us for this roundtable are no different. We've got, of course, John O'Looney, the funeral director, who many of you will know from Milton Keynes over in England. He's been speaking out for a long time. He's also joined by Richard Hirschman, the Alabama embalmer, who has been bringing some really horrific imagery to the public about what they're pulling out of the cadavers since this vaccine has been introduced. And now our very own Brenton Faithful here in New Zealand, Auckland funeral director, has taken the plunge. He's joining the other two um, to be a real hero. We need more people like this speaking out, and uh, we're very excited to have them on the show. But before we bring them on, we just want to give you a quick update about what's happening here at Counterspin. Of course, you know, there's all the things happening with the um, court case. Our next appearance is apparently on the 7th of December. We've got a pre trial conference but we will bring you more information on that as we get it but until then uh, we're working on stuff behind the scenes updating our website if you've had issues with the email that should be sorted out now so please try again if you're still not receiving them uh, that should be fine we've got a headlines edition where where we will be bringing you our favorite picks of national and international headlines three times a week aiming to do that um seven days a week eventually but um, until then also the telegram channel has had a few issues they of course are attacking us with bots so we have had to use our own good bots to counter them but unfortunately that meant many of you apparently were not able to sign up to the channel and subscribe but that should be sorted out now too so please do go and check out the counterspin media channel and also chat and also finally, Calvin, I think a quick congratulations is in order to all of the amazing people who stood in the local body elections and well done to groups like Voices for Freedom and all the other freedom groups out there who pushed the uh, the importance to vote and the they supported many of you independents. It was wonderful. We're just really gutted we haven't been able to cover it uh, because of our own issues that have been going on. But um, hopefully you all got out and voted for your freedom-loving patriot uh, members there who put their hands up. Calvin? Yeah, we also have on our website an articles section where we have independent contributors writing articles and we are posting them up for you. Very thought-provoking, very some very in your face, but well worth sharing. There will be uh, a component on that site to be able to share those articles directly with your friends so please make sure you do that and uh, start spreading the word because there's a lot of common sense logic and reason in those articles and they're well worth getting out there um fishing expeditions as we know i think uh, we believe our raid was a fishing expedition to see exactly what we had um which has led to our uh, case um newsflash we don't keep any sensitive information on site. It's always off-site and secured. So we still maintain it and that will be coming out uh, in the near future as and when 
it is meant to. Um, another person who decided they would go on a little fishing expedition and try to see if they could uh, railroad the counterspin media machine and to see if we had a chink in our armor. Well, we didn't. Nadine Roberts, a.k.a. Nadine, uh, Nadine uh, Porter, uh, senior editor, no, senior, senior reporter from Stuff. And we all know Stuff is the biggest purveyor of mis and disinformation out there. They should head the council for it uh, as the projection mechanisms. Um, she writes, Morena, very um, PC. I understand both Calvin and Hannah, that's us, of course, uh, are under some bail conditions. Mm -hmm. Can you please clarify what these conditions are and if that means you are not allowed to post on social media? Now, she's, she's uh, creating a premise here for an attack, thinking she's got us. If that is the case, does Calvin's post on Telegram two days ago, we received this, of course, on the 30th of September, um, constitute and the interview on an Australian platform constitute a breach of those conditions? If not, she said, you can put me in touch with your lawyer slash lawyers and uh, she can ask them. Well, I'll do the job for you, Nadine. Uh, we thought we'd let you know on here so that people can see what's happening as well. We don't like, you know, we like to be transparent, unlike the government. Um, if you had a journalistic bone in your body and actually, I don't know, took anything but your lunch to journalism school, you would realize that I personally did not post in the channel. Go back, look at the post, and look at the name who posted it. Failure. You're throwing out all these hooks in the waters, but you're getting nothing. Anything you're going to catch out there is a cold. Better take a big jumper. Um, and of course, as far as bowel conditions, let us tell people exactly what those bowel conditions are. We're not allowed to access our own social media accounts or engage with you, the audience. This is the way we can do it because this is not restricted. We can still do episodes. Um, they thought they'd be able to stop us or slow us down by taking all our equipment. And for the, for the most part, it worked initially. But of course, people coming together, cobbling all this uh, bits and bobs, as we said, and now this episode is coming out to you. So the people's voice will not be silenced. We will not back down. We will not cower. And we will certainly not stop asking for accountability and the truth to come out. This government claims to be the most transparent ever, and they will be the single source of truth. They are the single source of lies a single source of mis and disinformation. They are murdering people. That is, that is a fact. We keep saying, prove us wrong. Because in doing so, you'll realize we are right. Isn't it funny how no one yet has said, you're wrong because. No, they're always saying, but the government said this. Well, mm -hmm. and what evidence does the government have? Because they certainly don't do science, Hannah. Yeah, and a big part of uh, those speaking out is, of course, Dr. Michael Yeadon, and he is a former official senior scientist at Pfizer. And what has he come out and said? He has said, look at what's happened with midazolam. Now, we mentioned this in this upcoming roundtable. We certainly didn't give it enough airtime as it deserves, so hopefully we will explore this in a future episode we will link to dr michael yeadon's article on midazolam and how this has actually been creating premature deaths it was handed out like lollies early 2020 so there's a lot of article um questions about that and a lot of articles actually been written the other one is remdesivir 
Many of you will know the scandal with remdesivir. That's another thing that uh, needs to be further promoted by our own government, of course. Of course, and the likes of Dr. Fauci and all that. So this is why we do what we do. Lives are at stake. Now, before we get into this roundtable, we just want to show you one quick video. That is, of course, one that Richard Hirschman has released. uh, And we'll let you make up your own mind. But this is him pulling out a clot from an artery uh, where clots are usually never found. This is the iliac artery. And there's clot coming out of the iliac. Normally we don't see clots in the iliac, in an artery. Usually they're in veins. Oh my gosh. And I'm probably not going to be able to get it all. This is not normal. Look at the size of this one. The big one came out of the vein. The small one came out of the iliac artery itself. Now that there just goes to prove we have state-sponsored involuntary euthanasia going on. Now we've said before the government is responsible for killing people. I stand by that and I'll double down on it. People like the Medical Council going after the very good people New Zealand doctors speaking out with science who have been for a long time writing them letters saying, whoa, pull this train up because you're on the wrong track. New Zealand lawyers speaking out with science saying there's something wrong with the constitutional framework and what's going on with all of this COVID crap. New Zealand teachers wanting to educate their um, students as opposed to critically race theorize them. That's a word I just on the fly there so uh, there's a whole lot going on but there's some very good people speaking out now we now you know i've been criticized for saying that i believe there's still good police officers left within the system i maintain that i honestly do but unfortunately the ones in charge are the ones we have to remove so the good ones can come through whether we have enough good police to arrest the bad ones remains to be seen but one thing we do know without a doubt is that every single politician and those who are never elected, the um, people in the background in Parliament, they all need to be arrested and all charged with the culpability of murder because that's exactly what it is. There's a big list. Crimes Against Humanity, it's a long list, Hannah. So be a whistleblower. Be like Brenton Faithful. Come and tell us your story. Info at counterspinmedia.com. We know there's uh, people in Parliament that watch us. Please come forward anonymously. Tell us your story. We need to get the truth out there in the medical industry, whatever industry you're in. It's important that we all stand up and speak out. And if you're worried about getting tracked, because let's face it, almost everything on the net is trackable, um, send it to CS Media on Wicca. We will receive that. You can set it to self-destruct after you've sent it five minutes or whatever, um, and we'll make sure that we... Um, get that information out to the public we need to verify it first because like i said we only deal in fact and evidence here unlike stuffed tvnz or rnz which is a mega merger coming of course that we know about another white elephant that's only to bolster their single source of truth narrative and give you more sustained propaganda for your nightly supplement 
So without further ado, let's listen to these three courageous men and uh, hopefully their courage will be contagious. Indeed. Okay, now we have an all-stars lineup. We have John O'Looney from the UK. We have Richard Hirschman from the US. And of course, we have our very own Brenton Faithful here in New Zealand. These people are funeral directors. They are uh, embalmers and they are dead serious, excuse the pun, for what we're about to discuss here. That's the information you need to know, information your government's keeping from you. And uh, now you're going to see what happens and what we're seeing at the other end of the uh, line. Yeah, and we certainly hope that um, this information reaches people for the first time and that you may actually pass it on to somebody who is also in this industry and encourage them to speak up because it is because of these brave men that we are getting this information out to the public because, of course, the mainstream media will not go and speak to them, is basically trying to do hit pieces um, on our own Brenton Faithful here in New Zealand. And, of course, um, like us here at Counterspin, you know, they're trying to shut us down with any means possible um but let's get into it i think why don't we start with john o'looney um over there from the uk you've got a special place in our heart john because of course you presided over the great richard pross's funeral recently he was a great friend of ours and um yeah it was amazing to just tune into that and it just seemed like you know a great aligning of the stars that uh, you were able to do that because he of course too was a great truth teller so maybe um you could start with what inspired you to speak out um i believe you were one of the first funeral or the first funeral director to speak out and of course you were talking about um medazalam as well and what happened in 2020 what you were seeing back then and not 2019 so so i would hasten to add that the medazalam story is still very much alive there's still I feel overuse of midazolam for nefarious purposes. But what we saw in March and April here in the UK was uh, Matt Hancock, who was uh, the the demon that was in government then, decided that he was going to order people transferred from the hospital environment into care homes for um, to to die a good death, in his words, to die a good death. Um, these were COVID patients, apparently. And lo and behold, that was what happened. And it's very interesting that the Greek translation of to to die a good death is euthanasia, you know, and these people have to tell you. And and he told everyone and nobody listened, really. They kind of were so caught up in the hysteria. So um, as a society, we're very good at getting people to pass away in hospitals. That if uh, to the point to to kind of emphasize that point, if we had 10 people who died eight of those would be in the hospital environment one would be at home under the care of a district visiting nurse and one would be in a care home and we went through a period following Matt Hancock's uh, murderous intervention where we were called almost exclusively to care homes every night uh, as a small funeral director now to give you an idea in the 10 years I worked for the co-op funeral care which is one of the biggest funeral providers I never once had three successive nights called out to care homes um I don't doubt that happens in the busiest hubs but the hub we were in would do was doing seven eight hundred funerals a year we never did three nights on the trot to care homes I was out to care homes every night as a small family-run funeral director for around three weeks in March and April of 2020 and it was just felt really wrong because that's not a normal pattern. These were people, and I spoke to the the, the families of of these these victims of euthanasia. And, and to give you an example, one girl 
uh, who stuck out in my mind. Her mum had had a stroke. She wasn't a COVID patient. She went into hospital. Um, she had a prolonged recovery about six weeks in. She'd recovered well. She was sitting up, chatting, talking, eating, swallowing, um, but I didn't have mobility down one side, as is often the case with a stroke victim. Now, she was transferred into um, a local care home, spoke to her daughter that morning from the care home and was laughing and joking, eating toast and drinking tea in bed. When her daughter rang back in the afternoon, um, a lady answered the phone and said, oh, she's gone. So they thought, uh, she, she thought that that meant they transferred her uh, mum somewhere else, you know, and no, she's dead. She was gone. Yeah, they, they'd, um, uh, they'd got dispatched her um, that day, you know, so, so, and this is a rinse and repeat story that I'm hearing dozens and dozens of times, you know, I've had doctors and nurses ringing me up crying. Um, I first spoke out a couple of years ago, because I knew, I saw very early on. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Um, I understand the risks of being honest. We've seen this. We've seen what happens. We've seen what happens with uh, Mr. Prosser, for example, uh, and how he was targeted uh, and pushed out of, of government. Uh, and um, Dr. Kelly, who was who was dispatched when he was due to testify, you know, um, uh, and many others. So I know the price of, of speaking out, but I also know the price of not speaking out. And we're further down that road now. We see the ONS data here in the UK and the, the Office of National Statistics is, is, is government figures. It's over 20% now above the regular death rate over a five-year historical oh. period. These are not people that are dying from COVID. These are sudden deaths, primarily in JAB recipients. There's a regular death rate, the same as there always is. But the people that we're seeing coming through are people in their 20s, 30s and 40s, people that shouldn't be dying. Um, and we had one gentleman about, I'd say, 10 weeks ago now, who was 30 years old, died suddenly. He was given a post-mortem by the coroner, uh, and um, that is getting less and less frequent now. The coroners are looking for excuses not to do, to do post-mortems. Um, he had, had a post-mortem. The family had asked us to embalm him. Now, there are, the embalming process, uh, as Richard will no doubt tell you, you've got two types of embalming. You've got a post-mortem embalming and a non-post-mortem. If somebody's had a post-mortem, they've had all the, uh, their front cut, the organs are taken out for blocks and slides, and then those organs are placed into a plastic bag and it's put back into the body cavity. Well, obviously, during the post-mortem process, the arteries and major blood vessels are all severed as those organs are removed. So when you embalm someone who's had a postmortem, the organs are taken out and you have to manually target those severed arteries and veins with uh, an embalming pump to push embalming fluid into them and embalm that person. And um, this poor kid, we, we opened him up and he was absolutely full of white growths. Uh, and I'd seen these documented before. Um, from watching um, videos that Richard had given, you know, uh, and um, but we can't as funeral directors, you can't just cut into people. It's not my job. I have to wait until there's a sudden death and in, uh, a postmortem takes place and then we're requested to embalm by the family. So we have to clear these obstructed arteries to be able to connect an embalming pump to them. And when you clear these arteries, they're huge white growths coming out of them that I've certainly never seen in 15 years. I've got a BIE registered embalmer that works for me full time. He was horrified. He's never seen anything like that. So 
clearly something is is riddled inside this guy and i reached out to the coroner now i know the coroner has already seen this because this person has come directly from the coroner so they've seen it they know it's there but i want to gauge their reaction so i emailed the coroner and said listen we found this inside this gentleman this is not something that we've ever seen before do you want samples are you aware of this and I did it via an email to see if I could get a paper trail. Lo and behold, they wouldn't even respond. I got a phone call a couple of days later telling me that they'd spoken to the pathologist. The pathologist was happy with everything, didn't need any samples. And they actually suggested that this stuff grew post-mortem inside this guy's arteries, which I yeah. find um, both insulting to my intelligence as a funeral director of, of many years and also... Um, very concerning because it tells me that these people are directly complicit in covering this up and it's almost like um the world has become suddenly inverted where all of the people that we could trust the doctors the nurses the police and the coroners the people we should be able to trust most are suddenly your deadliest enemy because yes. uh, they know they know the truth and they're not speaking out. And I would suggest that's because they're slave to the money lender, the same as all of us. And I understand, as I've said before, the, the threat of, you know, being financially ruined is there for all of us. But the reality is in the world that we face under these demons, the coming future for all of us is exceedingly grim where money won't matter. Um, so that is why I kind of took the decision to speak out um, a long time ago probably a couple of years now I've, I've lost i've lost count of how long i've been talking about it um and that's kind of where we are i mean the rest of it the meeting in westminster with sir graham brady i've covered um you know i can go into that later once the other guys have spoken if needs be but but that's why i speak out because i see i care really uh very much about other people i think people know that and and um I can't stand by and ignore it. I can't ignore it. That's why I'm in this industry. You know, I go to other funeral directors um, and they're driving 50,000 pound cars. You know, I'm not. I've got an 11 year old Mondeo because it's never been about the money for me. It's about looking after people. You know, that was why I set up on my own was to do it properly. Uh, and um, I, I just um, I think I'm more I, I, I'm very upset and angry at what's going on i've got my head around the fact that it's going on i'm more disappointed in other people seeing it and not speaking out and being more bothered about their own direct debits that is the thing that upsets me the most because that's the thing that's going to lead to the destruction of us all yeah, you know you're, you're right john you see what you were saying before about the fact that you didn't even get an answer when you sent that email over here in new yeah. zealand the government undertakes training for their staff of how to avoid official information act requests so they don't leave trails so they cannot be found out this has been going on for years we too have the behavioral sciences we have this um uh, clown show called tepunaha matatini which is a a, a a misinformation disinformation research come identify everyone who's speaking the truth and call them you know liars and all that mm. sort of thing so we it's every single country's in lockstep with each other this is a worldwide plan that's um happening and underway and the character trait all three of you have is the fact that you care now we wish more people like you would actually stand up and say hey there's something seriously wrong here um we used to say oh, they will to take they, a look at it we've taken a look at will. it and everyone's dying they they will speak out they will care but it will be as they're being dragged off down the road and it'll be too late yeah well let's hope we it doesn't wait that long 
Richard, you're you're another one standing up strong. Um, only you've got some samples to show people of exactly what you're seeing at the and your things you're dead serious about. Sure. So well, again, my name, my name. <laughs> yes, my name is uh, Richard Hirschman. I've been doing this now for uh, 21 years, and kind of you know, kind of what caused me to to start to question what's going on is. I noticed in the embalming room, something has changed with people's blood. Now, exactly when I can pinpoint exactly the time, that's kind of difficult because as, you know, the end of 2020 was going along, our, uh, the work that we were doing was on the rise. Looking back, now, I, I question, was that because of the uh, protocols that were being used to treat this? Um, but then, after you know, starting in January of 21, things really started getting busy. And, you know, just, it's just crazy. But then around May, uh, I'm guessing around May, I started noticing unusual looking clots. And they were starting to appear in arteries, which is something that I very, very, very rarely would ever see is a clot inside of an artery. And what's different is they kind of have a white fibrous tissue. And uh, to kind of give you an example, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about, this white fibrous material. Now I've got, you know, several, several samples you know, it's just, you know, unfortunately now I see this almost on a regular basis. And, um, and that was what was concerning to me. I first heard uh, John Oluni uh, last fall, maybe around this time, somewhere around this time, maybe, maybe it was in November, I'm not sure. But when I heard him describe and give the testimony of what he was seeing in the way that the deaths were going, I was like, that is exactly how I'm seeing it over here. And he's on the other side of the big pond. So I knew this was this could not possibly be just, you know, in my area. And so that's one of the reasons why I started speaking out. Um, I am frustrated, just like uh, John is. I feel um, I feel as though, you know, like they want to try to make this sound like these are postmortem because I've heard the same thing from uh, medical examiners here. And I know that's not the case. It's insulting in a sense because I've been embalming for for, you know, over 20 years now. And this strange substance that I'm finding in the blood is not normal. I know what normal is. I've been doing this. I've dealt with clots. I know what normal clots look like. This is not normal. And there, there are so many people wanting to turn their eye and turn a blind eye to what's in front of them. And so my, my big concern was all of these people, heart attacks, strokes, and all these other ailments, I was beginning to say, hey, there must is 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 this change in people's blood the underlying issue that leads them to death and 
so I spoke out originally uh, the first time. One of the reasons why it's a little hard is I'm just a, I'm just a regular person. You know, I tried to reach out to a couple places and, you know, get a little email back maybe here or there. Mostly goes on. Nobody wants to touch this topic. And then um, uh, Dr. Jane Ruby ended up getting a hold of my story and made it public in the end of January of 2022. So we're uh, what about getting close to 10 months ago. And this story is 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 starting to become very well known. Uh, I ended up meeting with uh, Dr. Uh, McCullough and Dr. Ryan Cole just this last weekend. And uh, they verify again with me that I'm, I'm not crazy. The stuff that I'm seeing is not normal. And they are studying. They are investigating. So hopefully we're going to get more answers. And uh, the, the whole point of it, all of this was we need to find answers and solutions to figure out ways to help people and to prevent these growths from happening within their vascular system because surely it can't be healthy. Yeah. And the first, one of the first um, uh, points of help that they need is just to stop everything in its tracks right now to save further harm, because let's face it, none of this crap existed before that jab rollout started. First, they weaponized cold and flu statistics, caught a SARS-CoV-2, which is only a computer generated virus. It's nothing else. Um, Used COVID-19, which is the symptom base for cold and flu said, you're all going to die come and get the savior jab and that's the thing ironically that's killing people i don't ever think uh, i don't think it was ever about covid i think it was about getting people to line up for the cure um and uh to give you an example so early in 2020 i had um a guy ring me um called john from a government sponsored company and it was i think they were called pandemic resilience it was something resilience i've still got the guy's number on my phone and he um said that my job um is a uh, he's a regional coordinator so he would ring around all the funeral directors um and he would ask them for numbers and the numbers of firstly he wanted to know how many could deceased could i hold in my premises then he would ask me who i'd picked up that week where from and and how many were COVID. So I was happy to furnish him with those details because you kind of, I believed it then. We were about 12 weeks in, we were being showed pictures of people falling over in the streets of China. And so I would start (laughs) telling him, but almost immediately he began steering me. And by that, I would kind of say, like, for example, I'd tell him, well, I picked up a gentleman from a care home. Doctors had stopped attending by then to protect the NHS, we were told. Um, Police had stopped attending. There was no COVID test done. This guy, I've spoke to his family. He was in that facility for four or five years with onset dementia. He died in the classic fetal position associated with that, that you would know very well if if you were in the industry. Uh, And he was a dementia death, you know, an Alzheimer's or dementia death. He would insist this guy was a COVID death and he would put him down Mm. as a COVID death. And that happened throughout 2020. You know, even one guy, as I've said before, that had tire marks all over him, you know. I just did, uh, and it became clearer as time went on. Yeah, it was all about getting people convinced that they needed this injection. And now the only time that we've really seen any level of pandemic death rate is, is since they lined up for the injection. You know, the one injection for the most vulnerable that's become um uh, more and more and more they keep moving the goalposts we're just going to protect the most vulnerable oh no it's just people in the 60s the 50s the 40s the 30s 
Or no, the twenties. Uh, the kids. Do you know how many kids I've had in as a funeral director who've died from COVID? None. None. <laughs> Not a single one. Neither of any of my colleagues, and I know that because I speak to them on a regular basis. We all join WhatsApp groups very early on to stay in touch and support each other when we fell over, um, because we had envisioned that would happen. Funny enough, none of us have. You know, um, so, so what does that tell you is is something very, very, very wrong. And, and now mm. predominantly all we're seeing is is vaccine recipients dying uh, of all ages. Yeah, here in New Zealand, um, we too have not heard of any children dying of COVID. And the funniest uh, mainstream media report of a guy who got shot in the head <laughs> Uh, apparently got written down as dying of COVID. COVID yep. so, yeah, of um, course. Yeah, happened all around yeah. the world. Well, well, now, what we saw early on was was people were saying like, Mole, mum went into hospital for a hip replacement or she fell and broke her arm and yeah. caught COVID in there. And that's when they, <laughs> they were kind of labelling them as COVID positive and then killing them off in hospitals, you know? Yeah, so sad, wow. so sad. Now, um, we'll bring on our third um, guest, Brenton. You have been um, in discussions with us for a few months now. I think we first reached out to you while we were on tour. Um, and I just have to mention that, um, you know, while we were talking and, and just getting to know you and your story, um, I got interviewed by Michael Laws. Uh, he's a mainstream media um, talkback host here in New Zealand and uh, I, I just mentioned that actually we'd been talking to actually all of you because um, we'd also talked to John O'Leary a while back as well and just saying that you know we are in discussions with these um, funeral directors and embalmers and there is a real problem here and he didn't believe me um, but he really wanted me to send you guys his way and I said well after uh, we've done the interview and we've put the information out we'll happily do that so because um, they would have done a hack job yeah so um, I will um, encourage the audience to please send this interview uh, to Michael Laws so he can hear it for himself. Uh, he's obviously a doubter, um, but hopefully he can actually just objectively listen to this information. And hear he is it. triple jab though, and I did ask him in the interview I had with him if I could be in his will just for five years. I ask everyone who's pro-jab if I can be in their will for just five years. I think I would be the most wealthiest prick on the planet soon. It's just great, Brenton, um, that you have woke, well, you've, you've been awake for a long time, I think, but it's great to see that you've got the courage. Uh, we've also, we are also still speaking to other New Zealand funeral directors <sighs> that hopefully uh, this video will give them the courage to speak out. What um, gave you the courage? You've obviously also recently gone viral. Um, you know, what made you finally do it? And um, what are you seeing in your practice? Well, I'm seeing exactly what John has been seeing as well. Thanks, Hannah and Kelvin, for inviting me to come and um, speak. And um, it, it's really lovely to meet you, Richard, as well. So New Zealand was probably one of the last countries to take up the vaccine. For some, for some reason, we, we um, there was a delay, and it was about March 2021 when um, the vaccine started to roll out. One of my good friends, who's an ambulance officer, um, queued up. All the health healthcare professionals had to had to become vaccinated, uh, was mandated for them. Um, the whole station went down with um, all for a week's uh, leave, sick leave, as a reaction. So that, that sort of um, indicated to me that, look, when my turn comes around, um, I'm not going to... Maybe I'll just research a little bit more about this. what's contained in this vaccine. Um, it was some months later that I observed that people were dying 
as a result of the vaccine. And let me say, majority were, were within two weeks of receiving. It's almost like an anaphylaxis that occurred uh, in, in the deceased. So um, we're not required to, by law to ask whether the person was vaccinated or not, but it generally comes up in conversation. The government introduced vaccine passes during the lockdowns for people who were vaccinated. Almost a second-class citizen uh, was created if you weren't vaccinated. So those who were vaccinated had all the privileges. Those who weren't, it didn't. So we had to check vaccine passes for people coming to funerals or any gatherings. Um, you were restricted going to restaurants or to bars or any places of, of, of where social interaction would happen. Now, I'm a funeral director and I'm an Obama and I've been 40 years and uh, I concur that the, the clots that I've seen are in vaccinated people. And um, during the lockdown, of course, without any ceremony, we had a lot of what we call direct cremations occurring. And probably over half of the work that we did was direct cremations during uh, 2020 and 2021 during the, during the lockdowns. So there was no ceremony. Um, on occasion, we would when there was um, restrictions were lifted, we could have 10 people, sometimes 25 people, sometimes 50 people, and sometimes 100 people could attend a funeral. Now, that, that's a pretty cruel thing um, to restrict people's ability to grieve together. One of the social things that we've always done as humans is observe the burial of the dead in uh, socially um, accepted ways. Now, with those restrictions, it does bring out a lot of unresolved grief as well when people can't celebrate someone's life in, in, the, in the normal way of a funeral. So that was pretty sad to see, going to nursing homes and having families unable to visit, that they, they could look through the glass, the front door that might happen to be made of glass, and there's the, uh, the patient on the other side and the family are in tears on this side because they can't go and see. The person inside couldn't hear what was going on. Um, total confusion in nursing homes. Statistically, I think we do about five from nursing homes out of 10, four out of hospitals and hospice and one from home. So we've had a lot, you know, a lot more deaths in, in, um, in uh, public hospitals and nursing homes. And it seems like have, to be in the nursing home, you had to have been vaccinated as well. So there were some nursing homes that um, through... Um, sloppy practices, I suppose, of the lack of using PPE gear. There was outbreaks of COVID um, more than more than others, but certainly um, masks were mandatory. Um, wearing PPE gear was mandatory. Having um, PCR testing, uh, real-time PCR testing, rats testing was commonplace to uh, visit these homes. So all these things that were put in place now found to have given false positives, all part of the narrative. I believe. So um, I've observed the clots as well, the, the people that we have embalmed as well, the vaccinated people, they're not appearing in the unvaccinated people. So I could cure these white, fibrous, rubbery clots as well that, uh, that I'm seeing that uh, surely other funeral directors must be seeing as well. I'm giving a talk tonight to a group of 50 medical doctors as well, which is really good news. Uh, I came out, I gave a, a public talk. I, I thought there was going to be an audience of about 12 people, but it turns out there was 200 people there at a local event. Um, it sold out. So I said I'd do another one. It was under the banner of uh, a group called Voices for Freedom, which um, I didn't know. I was an, I ended up being an approved speaker for Voices for Freedom. I thought I was doing an independent talk. 
Um, so, it, however, I mean, they have their rules and and so forth. So this talk I'm giving tomorrow night is outside of the sphere of Voices for Rent. I'm completely on my own as an individual talking to the public. Now, I'm not sure who's going to turn up, but they did have to register. If you use a, um, a public hall in New Zealand or in Auckland, the um, local authority want to know who the speaker is, what the subject is about, and who's attending as well. They need a list of attendees as well, which is pretty interesting. So uh, that's a sold out crowd and I agreed to do another one next week. Um, the invitation I'm getting to come and speak. So there's, there's certainly a demand. I'm hoping other funerals will speak out. Um, I've been asked to go national with, with my talks. I'm hoping that other funeral directors in New Zealand will also come out and speak out so I don't have to go nationally with it. Please the media do. Kind of Please hit, do. Job, hit job on me, uh, call me an embarrassment to the funeral industry. I've been national president of the New Zealand Obama's Association. I've been on the executive committee for nine years. So uh, I, I know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's um, um, it, it, so the coroner in New Zealand too, the coronial service, very much like the British way. John, I'm not sure America has a different, uh, I think they have coroner over there as well, and, uh, but operates in a different way. The Coroner's Act, uh, although it changed some years ago, 10 years ago, um, is going to change again to allow uh, COVID vaccine deaths to be recorded as a, as a natural cause of death. And also that the coroner has the discretion whether they go public or not with their findings. They may uh, have the ability to just suppress the information. So that's um, submissions closed last week, and I spoke out about about that as well. That that's the, the coronial service in, is over a thousand years old, and um, there's, there's always been uh, the the inquiry into someone how someone's died, and to suppress the coroner or allowing the coroner not to be able to speak out is 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 really detrimental to society. I think that there perfectly illustrates the point everyone's been making. This is becoming so rampant so normalized people have become so desensitized that the coroner's act to say hey everyone who's about to die of our jab it's just a natural thing this is a natural cull of humanity nothing to see here don't worry about it those of you who who are left um the probably less fortunate ones uh, will be put to work in the uh, ideal slave way this is and and i have to with you guys as well ask where the hell are these people who are meant to protect us i mean they don't want us taking the law into our own hands but you have the absolute right to self-defense when someone's trying to kill you or your loved ones that's exactly what's happening yet we keep calling out the police because we know somewhere in there there's still some good coppers left only crap rises to the top and these people are in charge so we want to call them out and actually start doing the job you're meant to be doing and protecting the public or you will leave us no choice but to do it ourselves. Calvin, I'd like to, uh, Calvin, I'd like to sit there and say, I, a part of me feels like a lot of these people don't realize that what they're doing. They're, they're blind. Um, I don't, the way it works here in the United States, a coroner is not the one who does the postmortem or autopsy. A coroner often with some, uh, and sometimes law enforcement, can order the autopsy. Now, from what I understand, talking with pathologists and stuff, I've had the same thing John O'Looney has said. They try to say these are postmortem clots. 
And so on, when they're doing their postmortem, their autopsy, they're going to see these and they're going to acknowledge it, but they're going to label it as a thrombosis or a blood clot or, you know, something like that. The reason why this is not going to be linked to the vaccine is because they're not doing the proper staining procedures like uh, Dr. Burkhardt has uh, gotten accomplished in Germany. Now, I do know of a pathologist that is working on that over here, but in order, to, in order for them to pinpoint this to the vaccine or to COVID, they've got to do the proper stains of the tissues to determine whether or not this is vaccine or the virus. And it has to do with the spike protein. If the spike protein shows up in the stain only, then that means the vaccine is the cause. But if somebody has COVID or long COVID or something like that, and they will have the nucleocapsid as well as the spike protein. So that would mean that that person got those blood clots from the virus itself. And uh, I got a feeling that the spike protein is only making this worse. But as long as the authorities are not utilizing that staining procedure to find out, they will never find it. And therefore, they'll be able to push it under the rug as mm. a thrombosis. It's very interesting, actually, because I wrote to um, the chief coroner of England um, to ask him what he thought was the reason for the. Uh, I mean, I, I spoke to I've had a lot of people reach out to me over a lot of months. One of them was um, uh, well, a couple of mortuary managers. Very interesting. So uh, one mortuary manager was called Nick in a, in a big hospital. We'd done a lot of years, several decades. And he said he's seen um, a 600 percent increase in thrombosis deaths. Now, that correlates with what I'm seeing. Uh, and initially, we did, of course, think they were thrombosis. Now, these things are the white. Uh, uh, Richard's shown them off. They've got the consistency of calamari. They're really stretchy, really tough. Uh, and I can tell you um, it's very interesting, but no amount of anticoagulant is going to break these down because they're not regular blood. So, so the huge shortages, and I mean, if you type into Google shortage of anticoagulants, there are shortages everywhere because of the demand for them. But the reality is these are not going to break these down. These are like rubber. These are literally like nothing I've ever seen. So, so I emailed the chief coroner of England to ask him what he's doing about the huge increase in thrombosis deaths that I'm seeing as a, a small funeral director, but that other colleagues are seeing. Um, I never got a reply. I CC'd in about 40 doctors because there are a growing number of doctors that are wide awake, I can tell you. I meet with them um, many times on Zoom calls, hundreds that the GMC is finished in all but name. It's just a mafia that you have to be part of in order to practice, to, to be in general practice. These doctors would jump ship and join a governing body if one emerged that was outside the GMC. The, 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 the customer base, the people is there for their services. I would urge all of these doctors to speak out and I would urge all of these funeral directors to speak out as soon as possible before uh, um, things are it's too late. Now, this um, chief coroner of England didn't respond. I sent a second email three weeks later and he, I got a reply for secretary and it was uh, four words we uh, or five words. We follow government policy. That's it, because that is government policy. They they're not 
going to talk about uh, the cause of these deaths. Wow. Yeah, it's a way that they all they all get out of taking any responsibility. They're all just doing their job, following mm. the policy. Uh, the computer tells them what to do, so they're just blind, um, as we've already uh -huh. said. So, uh, Richard, I just want to come back to you because you've had a lot of your samples um, sent to different labs and um, obviously Mike Adams, the health ranger, is one of them as well. What, like, we can't say exactly what these clots are at this point, is that correct? But we can say what they are not. Yes, and what they are not is a typical blood clot. There's not enough iron in that uh, in it to, to constitute a blood clot. Um, I've, you know, I did, I sent the samples to a number of different pathologists and doctors and Mike Adams, though he's not necessarily a pathologist, um, he has a lab. And when he did his analysis, whether people want to agree with what he says or not, he only puts the stuff in there and it, it torches it and it reads the elements. So the elements are what they are. Now, I've also been in communication and been working, well, not working with, but in communication and sent samples also to Dr. Ryan Cole. He's been on this for a long time as well. And, the, you know, and, and again, I just spoke with him just this last weekend. Um, well, actually a week ago, a little over a week ago. And and again, it's, it's all coming down to pinpointing what's going on, that spike protein, understanding and knowing how to do the proper staining in order to see if the spike is a part of it. Now, he says it's also got a lot of, you know, there's some parts of blood products that are in there. And these are like, he called them amyloid-like. And an amyloid is nothing more than a misfolded protein. The problem with amyloids are they're hard to break down. Your body naturally makes things like fibrin, which helps prevent you from bleeding to death if you get a cut. But at the same time, your body also makes the enzyme that helps break that fibrin down. Well, what happens when you take that fibrin or whatever protein it is? Because understand, I'm not a doctor. I'm just trying to understand what they're telling me. What happens if you misfold those proteins, then that means you've got enzymes in your body that normally would break these things down, but because it's not normal, it has a hard time breaking them down, which is why I think these strange clots that we are seeing in the embalming room are there because the body is having a hard time fighting it off and they will slowly grow over time. And if they, uh, if they break loose in the wrong place at the wrong time, an athlete's running and now all of a sudden he pauses and one of these things get thrown, it can end up in his heart and cause a heart attack and down they go. Or if it ends up in the brain, they end up with a stroke or a brain bleed. There's all kinds of issues that can come about from these unusual clots. So, uh, He's very close. Uh, he spoke to, like I said, I spoke to him just over a week ago. They're very close to nailing this thing down. And, uh, and I want to show you guys something. I don't know how well this will show up. But, you know, John, you see that? I see it in um, the people who send identical. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know what? That's from a living person. I met her last uh, week. I'm 
And I'm not surprised. Uh, and so these are not postmortem as the, uh, as the medical examiners or mm. coroners are trying to tell you. Yeah. And if wow. it were postmortem, then how is it possible to get that out of a living person? <laughs> and Dr. Ryan Cole also uh, told me that he has been receiving several of these clots from surgeons that are removing them out of people. Mm. And they're sending it to him because they're trying to figure out what it is. So it's not just us, uh, Brenton uh, and John. It, it, it's it's it. doctors are seeing it. Oh, they all see it. All the all of these funeral homes see it, and and um, some more than others. Obviously, you have to. I think embalmers are ideally placed to see it because when they look after post mortem cases, they're going to see it. They're going to see it. They're all going to see it. But I, I suspect what's happening is this. Now, you guys will kind of confirm this to be true. If we open ten people up. Some people will have arteries like cows. They're huge. Other people will have arteries like a straw. Now, just bear with me. Bear that in mind and everything in between. So then if you had 10 kids that are all the same age, they all grow at different rates. So my suspicion is that we've, we're seeing people growing this white stuff inside their arteries at different rates. Well, if the planets align and they grow this stuff perhaps a little bit quickly and they've got very narrow arteries, this is why we're seeing these people fall over and die because they have smaller arteries and they grow this stuff particularly quickly, you know? Um, and, and this is why we've seen athletes and footballers in record numbers, in numbers we've never seen collapse and die in their twenties and thirties, people in the prime of their lives, multi, you know, players um, in the football were tens of, or perhaps hundreds of millions of pounds that are scrutinized every ligament in their body is scrutinized yet they've suddenly died or, or have been forced to retire from an undiagnosed heart condition come on what can't mm. people see you know so brenton um we've been you know talking to you for a while and, and really um hoping that you might be able to get uh some evidence as well of what you're seeing what what is the difficulty in your position to actually get um get the evidence and maybe um when you when you've um given us your reply maybe a couple of the others want to jump in and say maybe they've got some tips on on how embalmers and um funeral directors can actually ethically uh get samples to show the public because this needs to come out doesn't it you've touched the word ethics and in, in here um we're not licensed anatomists as, as john spoke about before we, um, we have the um, uh, permission from the family to embalm a body. We have to obtain that uh, permission in writing. Um, and to use our judgment reasonably required, I think is the, the statement within the contract we have with families. Now, ethically, um, because we've got cultural sensitivity in New Zealand as well, if someone had an operation and a, and a part is held um, uh, like an amputated leg, that, that leg is given back to the family uh, for burial. Um, if, if a um, sample is taken from the post-mortem, the family expect that sample, once it's been finished with, to be returned back to the family. So we've got a, an ethical dilemma in New Zealand that I legally can't take anything from the body. However, um, I understand that uh, during the embalming process, a lot of the body waste, the normal body waste, which happens in our own body, is flushed down the sewage system. So uh, the discussion we had a little early before this started was, I mean, perhaps that that is part of what gets flushed down the toilet. So I, I, I'm torn between the ethics of, of taking samples that I'm not entitled to and the ability to be able to take them because they were going to go down the, the, the sewage system anyway. 
So perhaps other Richard or, or, or John may be able to allude. I would, I would, I would like to add, uh, Brenton. I understand. In the very beginning, I dealt with this dilemma as well. Um, but on one hand, I don't. I do not disclose the names of the individuals or anything like that. But when it comes to ethics, I have a moral obligation for humanity itself if I feel as though something can affect humankind. And I have thrown my head on the chopping block. They may come after me and utilize ethics in order to destroy me or shut me down. But at the same time, by not reporting and by not bringing this forward i feel i feel as though i would be unethical in that as well i i i am not taking uh samples i'm not i'm not dissecting the person's vessels like a cutting a piece of their heart and sending it off no this is just the stuff that would normally flush down the table with the rest of the waste that would be involved so i stand on my moral obligation to my God and humanity is why I have done this. And if it costs me everything I have, I have a more, I feel as though it's my moral obligation to do this. And, and I understand why many people may not feel that way. The, 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 the governments have utilized laws, laws that aren't even, they're, they're not right at all, but they make laws in order to silence people. And, um, in a sense, you know, I, I'm willing to I've, I've been willing to go ahead and, and throw myself on the sword if that's what it takes. This stuff is in the hands of many people uh, because I have done what I've done. And even though uh, they may shut me down one day, the evidence is out there and let the doctors uh, fight over the rest. Amen. I would say the same. It's, it's absolutely undeniable. And, and what is unforgivable in, in, in the same way as standing there watching a blind man stand at the roadside, what do you do? A, a blind man standing on a busy roadside, do you get your phone out and film it? Or do you intervene and touch him on that and help him across the road? There are many people who are not in a privileged position we are to see this and they're taking their kids down to be poisoned now the reason i spoke out is because i value people's lives and your lives are every bit as important as my life why would it be any less important they're now targeting children children are dying from myocardia i sat four feet from sir graham brady he knew he knew i'm not prepared to stay silent and and if that be at the cost of my life so be it so be it i really am beyond caring because I've spent so much time now putting these youngsters in coffins. I'm not prepared to be complicit. I'm not prepared to be intimidated. And I won't be intimidated. Do your worst. Um, it's not going to change um, what I say. So um, I, I, I let that be clear. Let that be clear. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to be silent. And I won't be complicit in genocide. And um, John, Brilliant. just speaking about the um, children, is it true uh, that you know there has been an increase in um, in yeah one children you know passing and but also now that mm. they're no longer doing it in the funeral homes, but they they they're actually um, cremating the bodies mm. in in the hospitals so, directly. Yes, 
So this is very interesting topic. So some months ago, I uh, watched a video by a guy called Wesley, who's a, a British undertaker. I tracked him down, spoke to him, verified he was who he said he was. He talked extensively about the increase in baby deaths and stillbirth deaths, um, which I found very interesting. Now, as a funeral director, I will not charge a family for the death of a child under 18. I provide my professional services freely. I'll even buy the coffin out of my own pocket. And I do that um, primarily as a decent human, as a father, but because also the need to do so is very rare. Children just don't die. You know, generally people go into hospital, they have a child, they come out, everyone is healthy, they go on to have a full life. He talked extensively about the pediatric department where he was going in being so full, they were putting babies on adult trays, two and three to a tray. And I couldn't understand that because the phone wasn't ringing as a funeral director. So so that, that kind of puzzled me, you know. And then I, would, obviously I attend the local crematorium during the course of my work, they have information screens at the crematorium in public waiting rooms. Now, these um, screens convey or purvey information to mourners as they arrive, the name of the deceased, the time of the service, the chapel that the service is taking place in, if there's more than one chapel, and also the funeral director taking care of that funeral to give the members of the public information they need to be able to attend the right place at the right time. Now I'm seeing more and more baby names on these screens and the arranging funeral director is the local hospital. Now, that, now that's something that we've never ever seen before. We then got talking to a member of staff from the crematorium who tells us that the hospital convey deceased babies to the crematorium directly in a van and and sometimes six and eight at a time now the it's very interesting looking at the route you go down with deceased children there are two main routes one in the uk and the law will vary uh, for richard and for brenton but here in the uk we have what's called nvfs non-viable fetus and that's a baby that's determined to have been stillborn i.e has never drawn breath now, legislation has recently changed where a child has to live longer than four hours. If they die within the first four hours, that's now bizarrely considered a stillbirth. Why is that? What goes on in them first four hours? Are these children being vaccinated? And perhaps if they survive the process, everything's fine. If they don't survive the process, they're a stillbirth. Then there are children that are born and been seen to be alive. Now, they've drawn breath, so they've got a death birth certificate. They then died, so they've got a death certificate. Now, these are registered and they're collated. We're told um, the MVF route, the, basically the midwife writes a certificate to say this child was born deceased. Now, they're telling us that they don't keep records of those. Come on. I've spoke to midwives. They certainly bloody do. You know, so what we're seeing is record numbers uh, uh, of these stillbirths in, in children. And it was very interesting because it was covered quite uh, in detail by a doctor called Dr. Luke McLinden. Now, Dr. Luke McLinden is a fertility specialist who worked at the Mater Hospital in Australia. He was there for around a dozen years um, as the top guy and he collated the numbers and the numbers are very compelling. So. The regular miscarriage rate in expectant mothers is between 5 and 14%. That's 
That is something that we don't often talk about enough, I believe. And there are a lot of women that carry this burden around um, and we should talk about it more. But the, the, the rate of miscarriage in pregnant mothers is between 5 and 14%. And it peaks very, very occasionally, very rarely at 16%. Those are the numbers this guy has given for the women in his area. Now, he noticed a worrying trend. Now, let me tell you the numbers of miscarriage in vaccinated mothers in his area, and I suspect it's going to be everywhere, um, is currently 74%. So three quarters, yeah, so three quarters of the uh, of the mothers that are vaccinated carrying children are losing their babies. Now, he raised the alarm and broadcast these numbers. What did the authorities do? Did they congratulate him on a job well done for noticing this and let's, let's address it together? No, they sacked him. What the hell is going on? How can people not see that as terribly, terribly wrong? Surely he should be congratulated and they should look at addressing this. But no, mm. instead of that, they'll silence him. And what they'll do is they'll promote a puppet, put him in his place, who won't say anything. So three quarters. Yeah, of course. They're normalizing about, it. Look at the, What about you, Brenton? Have you have you noticed anything in New Zealand or in, in your discussions with doctors, midwives, you know, other professions? Have you heard anything? We, we, we haven't done a baby for for three years, um, a baby's funeral. But when I go to the hospital, there's a, a, a fridge here and it's got baby of and the parent's name, baby of, baby of. There, there could be six, eight, nine babies in there. So um, I'm not aware what happens to them. I'm, I'm aware that there are contracts that happen between certain funeral directors and, and the hospitals. Social workers will, will promote one firm over another. Um, but definitely there's babies in, in there. And I've heard that statistic, uh, John, up to even 90% of um, miscarried in New Zealand, up to 90% of babies miscarried from, from 10%. Yes, and we've, know, heard, so that, um, that... we've heard the calcification of the womb and placenta. all sorts, uh, sorry, the placenta, yeah, and all sorts of things are happening. We really do um, need, yes. Well, and... I, I would kind of say if you've got this white stuff growing in arteries, um, you know, surely if that's grown down the umbilical cord or in the placenta, it can only end one way, can't it? So that, that means then that there's an army of midwives who know the truth. Yeah. Why are they not speaking out? Why are these midwives not speaking out? Surely you would go into midwifery because you have a, a passion for children and babies and caring. All of a sudden, you're going to overlook all these babies dying suddenly in record numbers. You know the numbers. You know, yep. get some backbone. Speak out. Because if you don't, this is a trend that will only vastly increase, you know. And then, God forbid, but if they do suddenly and uh, decide to enforce some draconian mandatory law where they go door to door, uh, you know, you could have done something. You could have stopped it. There's, there'll be a parent somewhere now considering taking their child for vaccination. And that child will go on to get myocardia and that child will die. You can stop it. You can stop it. You can be part of that, uh, 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 that stopping it process. You know, stand up and be counted. That, that's that. What about you, Richard? Have you got any more insights on the babies and, and stillbirths or the like? Yes, um, I know. Uh, I know uh, Dr. James Thorpe, who's an OBGYN doctor, who's come out and uh, he reached out to me early on. Um, yes, they are seeing it here. Uh, we don't always uh, 
So the way it works a lot of times here is if there's a stillbirth or a miscarriage, a lot of times the funeral homes aren't, aren't involved at all. Uh, the only time we get involved is if the family were to contact us. Sometimes the hospitals will dispose of, of the uh, stillborn. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing. But I, I've noticed here uh, a lot more smaller uh, children, uh, babies um, that are that are dying. I can't say they're dying of the vaccine, but I, I suspect and I've already heard some of the mothers that were vaccinated and their child is born. Some are born dead, some are born alive and then don't live, you know, but a few months. Um, and I can't say that I'm seeing it all the time, but I have noticed an increase. I would like to add to, um, to something that John is saying, and, and, I, and I'm in agreement with him about as far as people need to speak up. And one of the reasons why I think some of them don't is maybe they were just as fooled with this whole push on getting everybody vaccinated. And now they're seeing what's happening. They're terrified that they may somehow be responsible. People sit there and they'll say, oh, Richard, you're so brave and you got so much courage and you're a hero and all that stuff for speaking out. And, and they say the same thing about John O'Looney. And now, now, Brent, and I'm hearing the same thing. People are so glad that you're speaking out. But you want to know what true courage is, in my opinion? True courage is the doctor that pushed these vaccines and realizes what they've done and the harm they've committed. And they say, oh, my God, I was wrong. We need to stop. That, to me, is true courage. Sure. because they're admitting to something that they were a part of and now speak against it. And I think we need more of those kind of people to join people like us willing to speak. Yeah. And I've said this before, Richard, and I completely agree. And I think we should start a hashtag hashtag. It's okay to be wrong because at some point we've all been wrong about something in our lives. Well, we've, not me. we've all had to um, reevaluate information and the data's come in and we can say, okay, I got it wrong. And yet, like you say, um, it's one of the hardest things to do. It's like saying, I'm sorry, but it is one of the most noblest things to do because it's so humbling. And um, I, I completely agree. And we have to open our arms to the other side, to all these people that thought they were doing the right thing, that, that you know, with all the propaganda that the media and the government was shoving down our throats and, and really... Um, just like a broken record and, and people just wanted to do the right thing. And hopefully they, they have the, um, the courage and, and, and the openness and, and the, the humility and the compassion to actually just say, look, yep. Um, I got it wrong and, and that's you, okay. But before you go opening your arms to the other side and getting all woo woo and stuff, how about we check that shedding shit first? Okay. Cause I'm not going <laughs> to give them a big cuddle and then suddenly get the same damn reflection. Sorry. Exactly that. I, I think um, for me, the other side of the coin, my, my concern is I see governments now throwing the ball back in the court of the doctors and stitching them up because they're yeah. now starting to say, well, do you know what? The health professionals know what's best for their patients and put the onus on them. So I think these doctors who um, were sat at home with headsets on, on a lovely big fat COVID payment, thinking that it really good, they're about to get 
shot on from a great height uh, and the onus and the ball is about to get back in their court. Remember, the system is not going to punish the system. The system is going to damage and destroy these doctors um, uh, one way or the other now because they are witness. And th these people, they'll find that the finger will be pointed at them as health professionals. They're already we're already doing that. Um, and also the other thing that was put to Sir Graham at the meeting last September was this. When people find out what has been done, they will be civil war. There'll be a lot of civil unrest. Now, um, who will people target when they find out what's been done? They Will they target the politicians in the bunkers surrounded by armed guards and security and military, whatever? Of course not. They're going to target the people they feel were complicit. They're going to target the people they feel knew and said nothing. And they're going to target the people who are accessible. That's going to be these doctors and nurses. That's going to be these vaccination centers. These people will be held accountable and there will be street justice. And that's my concern because I'm I don't want that to happen. Uh, you know, so what I would urge these people is to have a little bit of foresight. Use the very um, the very clever mind that you clearly have to to excel in the field you're in to look forward and look at what the outcome is for you as a medical professional. If you don't speak out knowing what is happening. Yep, the and I'll future tell you what, over, is grim. Yeah, yeah, and over here, in even Zealand, well, in, in in Pakistan, they're killing medics now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Pakistan's got some pretty outrageous uh, ways. Of course, of course, things. but, the, but that will field. that will spread, you know, and that that's my Empire concern. Course. I don't want these. I don't want these people to suffer that, you know. But that's what will happen, you know. When you've got people that have yeah. had their families wiped out or the kids sterilized and killed. Yep. You know, we've seen videos emerging already of very, very angry people um, attacking and accosting medics. I don't want that to happen. So they need to come out and, and um, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Here's the problem. I'll tell you the people to target if that was ever going to happen. It would be a damn media. They're meant to be the voice of the people, the fourth estate to hold everyone accountable. That is not happening. They're bought and paid for journalistic whores. That's what they are. They're just turning cheap tricks it's called stories. Over here, we have the New Zealand doctors speaking up with science, an amazing group. These are doctors that from the onset were questioning everything. They were Amen. sharing all the research and that they had, because um, uh, Dr. Matt Shelton, who we know well, very good speaker, well articulated, good set of knowledge, researched the hell out of this. Uh, Dr. Sam and Mark Bailey, same thing. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're heroes here as well because they have risked everything. They've been brought up before the medical council that I think should be up on charges for aiding and abetting this uh, carnage. Um, so it's not the fact that we haven't got some good people speaking out. It's certainly not in the numbers we need, yeah. but because they are silenced, they can't get their damn voice out. So we're yeah. trying to give platforms and then push it out. And of course, then the government through the behavioral sciences already have that sussed as well because they've run this exercise already. They've got every single thing that we could decision we could possibly made has accounted to it. Hence the misinformation, disinformation, um, journalism initiative fund by Google and all that sort of thing. So they've got millions and millions of dollars ensuring that the voices of ours do not get out there. Another thing that's a cover up when it comes to these jabs is there's anomalies like you guys have seen on the table with the, with the clots. Um, some of them look self-assembling under certain conditions, who knows? We don't know that, but we know that something definitely is, is not right here in the Sajab that's doing it. Brenton, I'm going to ask each of you, Brenton, are you seeing um, higher rates of cancer? Because we know, remember, Pfizer's own documents have condemned this product. It needs to be stopped. Mm -hmm. Now the government's still saying it's safe and effective here. 
they are bloody criminals as far as I'm concerned and need to be charged with murder. Um, are you seeing higher rates of any particular things like cancers or ovarian or whatever, or, or just things that just do not, are not in the realms of possibility on a normal day? With this uh, Pfizer and Moderna, they're the two uh, recommended um, by the government uh, vaccines to be taken. The, the, um, there's no requirement for doctors to actually report uh, adverse effects. They, they are encouraged to, but there's no requirement to. So I'm seeing a lot of mis um, under-reporting happening in terms of likes of 1% of, of, of adverse effects being reported. So you can extrapolate that out um, to 100%. Um, what, what would the conditions be? So cancer, yes. Cancer, the number of cancers and aggressive types of cancer as well that we're seeing. Mm. Very short term between diagnosis and, and death as well. Mm. So yes, I can categorically say an increased number of cancers. Well, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And in fact, I, to extrapolate, um, as a funeral director who engages with his family, because it's a small run for funeral home, the phone rings, I answer the phone, I, I attend the scene of the death, um, and then deal with the fact that all the way through. So you get quite a good relationship with the family. And they, at some point, they tell you the story. Uh, and you know, you kind of say well what happened to mum and they tell you the story you know mum had cancer it's been a four-year battle and they kind of extrapolate and say I'm getting people now who come in who've died from cancer four weeks six weeks mm. eight mm. weeks you know um, and I've never seen anything like this and, and to the point where they're now labeling it turbo cancer and that runs alongside mm. um, SADS sudden adult death syndrome what is that that's going on the death certificate 30 year olds 20 year olds you know in in unprecedented numbers it's undeniable and I, and I kind of think um if something's too horrible to believe there will be people that would just say no it's can't it can't be true it's too horrible and bury their head in the sand that won't change the reality they won't stop it the only way we're going to do that is together and that's by addressing it head on you know so so people really need to get a backbone and they really need to wake up and smell the coffee so that we collectively can fight this together and stop it from happening because otherwise um um what's the next thing it's going to be climate change and then it's going to be the war against putin uh, and then food shortages and then a digital ration card and it's like a roller coaster of fear um on the back of a, a lie and a cull you know, I watched the faces of Sir Graham Brady sat at that meeting in Westminster. He knew. He knew. He knew. So so how we address this now is collectively. I think um, legal arguments, while commendable, uh, are delusional, ultimately, because these are people who clearly do not respect the laws that they expect right. us to follow because they're already breaking them. You know, um, so uh, uh, expecting the system to punish the system is laughable. You know, only together we need to collectively turn our backs on the whole system. You know, I'd like to see um, these politicians elected on the basis of a dozen votes or something where we all put I do not consent across my ballot paper and throw it in. Everyone, let's have a 100 percent turnout. And on every ballot paper, I do not consent, uh, you know, uh, and look at what we can do by non-compliance. I'm not advocating violence. I'm not advocating revolution. That is simply playing into their hands. But humanity is under a deadly attack. Um, and the sooner you recognize that, the more chance you give yourself to survive that sustained attack that we're all under. Absolutely. That's my feeling. Yeah. And, and what about you, Richard? Um, just on this cancer topic, have, 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 you, 
or anything else you, you any other increased yeah. um kind of injuries or uh sicknesses Ab- absolutely calvin i thought that was a great thing i wrote it down because i wanted to ask brenton and john the same thing and this is what i this is what i've been i've noticed okay so i've been doing this for 21 years I can't tell you that I've never seen somebody that was diagnosed with cancer and died a short time later, but I can tell you that was an extremely rare event. Okay. Most of the time when I've dealt with cancer patients, people that die of cancer, there were obvious signs. These people fought the fight. They lost their hair. They lost a ton of weight. They had tumors that were visible. You can tell they were very, very sickly for a long period of time as they battled with cancer. That is the norm from what I've been used to. But I can say that here lately, most of the people that I find out died of cancer, just on the outside appearance, a full head of hair, look relatively healthy, And you find out they had cancer and died a short period of time later. That is different. You know, Kelvin, a lot of times, you know, ladies had just as much hair as you when they were dying of cancer. Right. They must have looked sick. But now, but now they have, I'm seeing them and they have a full head of hair. Again, a lot of times I would not know they had cancer had I not been told. Now I was curious if Brenton and John have been noticing the same thing. Yes, I would say exactly the same thing where outwardly there's no sign of battle at all. They've literally could have died of anything. And externally, you wouldn't know. Whereas it was painfully obvious in some people. And it never fails to amaze me how um, different people react differently to cancer, um, which very interestingly, cancer rates seem to have doubled every 10 years in Europe, certainly. I look after a large number of, for example, the Ghanaian community. And and back in Ghana, they've not even heard of cancer because it's known as a a rich European's disease, you know? Um, So so that's very telling. And that tells me it's environmental um, uh, and it's, it's in Europe and it's in America cancer rates have rocketed where they don't in Africa. If you, uh, I speak to uh, a, a big collection of Ghanaians here who have come over for the funeral and say, how many of people have had a, a family member in Africa, in Ghana, who've died from cancer? And they'll look at each other and look, what's that? They've, you know, they just don't get it. So um, I, I I would totally concur with with what Richard said. Yeah, it's um the speed uh, with which it happens as well is unbelievable and outwardly there are no signs Uh, and of course you have to factor in what i believe is deliberate medical neglect as well that's that's exacerbated that now to put that in perspective if i got 10 people come through my funeral home door uh, who'd lost someone in the nhs care environment they'd all mourn their loss eight of them would would say they were happy with the care they received no one is happy with the care they receive now. None, none of them. Wow. In fact, um, the majority of them are very, very, very angry. Um, and they're, of course, they're being ignored. Yeah. What about uh, you, Brenton? Are you yeah, noticing? Nothing would surprise me now. I, I had a, a case last week where the lady died. Actually, the cause of death was fractured humerus. You know, humerus is the uh, bone that runs between your shoulder and your elbow. And, um, the person's died from a fractured humerus, uh, an elderly person uh, with dementia, but um, I've never seen that on a cause of death before. 
So nothing surprises me now with, with what doctors are writing on certificates. Can I just go back to a really basic question? Because hopefully there's um, some people here that have, again, not come <coughs> to this information before and they've stuck with us. And um, I really commend you all for sticking with this really difficult information. What? So they, they said there was a pandemic in 2020. Were you guys seeing an increase in overall deaths and since the introduction of the vaccine or the jab um, or this bioweapon, has have you seen an increase then? Has there been a difference? Just to get really back to basics, can we just go around? Richard, we'll start with you. Well, I would say that um, my increase in deaths really started at the uh, towards the end of 2020. Now, looking back, I would have to almost now, I mean, I didn't notice it then, but I'm questioned now, was it because of the protocols that were being used, giving people remdesivir and, and these toxic medications? But when it came to 2021, I mean, it was a very large increase in deaths. Um, and it's kind of hard for me to give you these numbers exactly because I'm a trade embalmer. I go around to somewhere around maybe 10 funeral homes and, and, and I, I do work when they call on me. What uh, the other two were, uh, Brenton and, 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 and John O'Looney were talking about was cremation. Understand as a trade embalmer, if somebody's going to have a direct cremation, there's there's, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to do with those bodies. So is the deaths still on the rise? Um, it could be, I think they are, but it has slowed down in my area recently, but it feels like it's picking up again. Um, some of the reduction in my work though, is probably because of economics. Cremation is the most economical means of disposing of human remains. And with our economy going, you know, down the tank, people are more and more apt and not just, you know, because of, uh, you know, because of finances, but other things with the lockdowns and stopping people from having funerals, they kind of ended the idea of, oh, well, we, we, we you know, during COVID, we weren't allowed to have a funeral for mama. So, well, now that daddy's dead, we didn't have a service for her. So we won't have a service for him either. And so there's this cultural switch and change from honoring the dead to, you know, we're just not going to face the pain and we're going to save a lot of money. So we're just going to go with the cremation. So, the, the, the death rates, I think, are still pretty steady. And we were expecting a huge drop in deaths after supposedly COVID caused so many people that were weak to die off. And so because the numbers are still staying pretty steady, it's because there are younger people dying uh, you know, instead of it just being people in their 70s and 80s and 90s. Now we're seeing people pretty regularly in their 60s, 50s, and 40s, and it's bumping down into the 30s. So, you know, and again, the younger generation of people tend to lean towards cremation over here. Not 100%, but many of them. So I, the, the death rate is still going pretty good. 
And, and I think that the, as more people are being cremated, the less of this kind of stuff you're going to see. You're not going to see that because I don't embalm them. I only embalm the ones that are going to have full services. Yeah. What about you, John? Can you just talk a bit about your your numbers and statistics of deaths? So, from so 2020? 20, 2020 saw no increase in death rate at all. There was a brief blip that I, I touched on in March and April where they used um, extensive amounts of medazolam. Um, the, people have used Freedom of Information Acts to um, trace the amount of medazolam used and that procurement and use increased between 300 and a thousand percent during 2020 yeah and it, it remains to this day unprecedented numbers um, of orders have gone in from from medazolam so, so uh, it, it's clear to, to me despite their best efforts though in 2020 there was no increase in death rates they used to publish the crematorium figures um, they, they stopped doing that strangely um, the last two years, but uh, they briefly came up. And in 2020, there were 75 less cremations in my area than there were in 2019. So and, and cremations in the UK certainly account for probably about 95 percent of the, the funerals. So, so it's, it's and there's a number of reasons for that. Some of them is economic. Some of it is cultural. Um, so Catholics um, in West Indians, uh, uh, Jamaicans, they prefer to lean towards burial. Muslims lean towards burial. But the vast majority are cremation. So if you get the cremation numbers, that's a fair indication of the death rate. And the, de and the cremation numbers in 2020 were 75 less than they were in 2019. So where was the where was the pandemic? The only time here I saw pandemic death rate numbers was the moment needles went in arms um and that has kind of peaked peaked and troughed um but now we're starting to see a real increase and and that prediction was made last september in westminster that on year to between years two and five after in, uh, being vaccinated uh, and the reason for that the science was simple so the body reproduces the cells inside it every two years the new cells that reproduce um, have a new instruction because they've been genetically altered and the T cells will attack the host. Um, the, the symptomatically, that will appear as sickness before they succumb. And that is your new variant, your latest variant, you know, and they've been very keen to announce a new variant every few week, months, haven't they? You know, here's the next one, here's the next one. And as these people collapse and die, of course, there's your next variant, you know, your next sickness. So um, now we're certainly seeing elevated death levels. That's been reflected in the VAERS data. That's been reflected in the ONS data. And I would suggest that's fairly um, conservative numbers as well, you know. So certainly um, the only time I saw any increase in death rate really was the moment needles went in arms. Yeah, and could you just clarify there, John, just again for any new um, listeners in the audience, we've got the the CALM reporting system here in, in New Zealand, and um, you know that this is obviously uh, only recording two, you know, point six to five percent of actual uh, injuries caused by vaccination. Yeah. yeah, of course. Is this? Um, I would suggest this was collated and published by the same people killing you off. Yep, pretty much. Yes. So, and this is, my case. this is it's a little bit like listening to the news um, sponsored by Pfizer. 
That's right. And and this is admitted yeah. by, um, you know, because this is, uh, for example, in New Zealand, this is the Ministry of Health's own data. It's their own oh, website. Um, you know, and they, yeah, they admit it's all underreported. And I think, yeah, I think there might be 60,000 um, reactions now to date. And of course, they play it all down. And we've had three, only three official deaths. But of course, if you listen to Linda Wharton from the New Zealand Health Forum, I think they're, you know, they're up around 500 now. Uh, on their system uh, and this is this is the mistake people make i mean i know certainly for me when i entered into the industry i was under the impression that for example doctors and, and vicars and ministers were amongst the most wonderful people don't think that because these people are in these positions they care any more about people you know uh, there are people yeah. within my industry who don't care about people at all no. They care about themselves and it's a lucrative industry. So, you know, just because a funeral director sees what we see doesn't mean they'll speak out because they care about people. My overriding concern is the care for people. That's why I put my ass on the line and speak out in the same way Richard does, in the same way Brenton does. The, the, the pattern we see is not unique to our funeral homes and our environment that we're working in, everybody sees it. Some see it more clearly than others, admittedly, in the same way. So, but I'd love to see how many funeral directors went and got their fourth, fifth, and sixth booster. Not many, I tell you, <laughs> if any. Yeah, there won't be. You won't see many embalmers who are pulling this stuff out of people going for their shots. And lastly, you, Brenton, what's, what's the pattern been like for you over the last two years? So 2020 was a quieter year, to be honest. Um, we didn't see uh, deaths of influenza. So New Zealand being an isolated country surrounded by the ocean <clears throat> means that influenza is brought in by the big silver bird. You know, the planes come in from overseas, bringing the latest strains from, from the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so we didn't see influenza at, at all in 2020. 2021 did see an increase. Again, I, my observation, after the, after the jab rolled out, we started, I started seeing more deaths in 2022, the same. So it's um, there was a peak and trough. Some argue that um, it may have been because of the soldiers who died in the Second World War should have lived till this long. Well, you know, they're they they would have been in their nineties, late nineties if they if they'd survived now. So I can't see that that as being the reason. In in twenty in twenty twenty, it, it, we were, we were shut down. Now the difference, uh, Richard, between um, New Zealand and, and uh, USA in terms of its funeralization process is uh, it makes no difference if someone's cremated or buried the direct cremation sure where there's no ceremony but in new zealand we actually have a funeral service followed by a cremation so we can have we, we have wooden coffins wooden caskets in new zealand that are cremated but there is no difference between a cremation and a full funeral a full funeral here is either a burial or a cremation a direct cremation is when there's no ceremony and that's what we've seen the uptake of and particularly with the lockdowns, there was no ability to have a funeral service. So the um, incidence of direct cremation has certainly increased in the last two years. Eight years ago, mm. never saw a direct cremation. They didn't exist. Yep. Nobody ever had one. Everyone had a funeral, but today it's, it, it seems to be commonplace not to have a funeral. We have the same thing here, Brenton, where we all say, uh, we'll, I will embalm uh, people if they choose to have a service and cremation that follows. Mm. What I was basically referring to was because of the lockdowns and because they weren't allowed to have many services because they were so limited on the amount of people that could be there, they got used to the idea of not having a service at all. 
Yeah, and, they didn't have a choice. And it, and it is the most economical is to have the direct cremation. And those are on the rise around here mm. with no services. Maybe what, a what memorial yeah. service. What an important I would things, agree. Yeah, is, is that I encourage families, if they do do that, to have some sort of ceremony even if they do it themselves, just don't forget the person who's died. A, a life that has been lived well um, deserves deserves a, a final goodbye. And, Absolutely. And I, I really 100%. hope and ensure that those families do recognize that life and, and have a ceremony, even if it's just amongst the family. Yeah, exactly. Really I, don't, I don't want to see them normalize not doing so, because mm. to do so would be a, a very large disservice you know every every life has value um uh, we saw a similar increase so here they limited the numbers locally to just 30 um allowed into a crematorium chapel so the way it works at the local crematorium they've got a chapel and a, obviously cremation rooms at the back they have a service the coffin goes through for cremation they were limiting the numbers to 30 and then even bizarrely making them sit two meters apart you know and i kind of said to them at the time you know, these are people that come out the same bed and, and the same house and we're holding each other outside crying and we're now making them sit two metres apart. It just doesn't, you know, and I there was a I was getting quite, um, it was getting a little bit tense and they threatened to ban me at one point um, from the local crematorium because a guy moved the chair to sit next to someone and um, the guy went to come out and stop the service. You know, when you're like, no, don't do that. This is his mum in front of his dad's coffin you know and that was well documented uh, there was a case um where in fact a family that i knew very well um that actually happened where the, he sat next to his mum's coffin the guy came out and stopped the service and it made national news it was a big thing at the time and i kind of felt for everyone because they were doing what they were told to do but the bottom line is you know everything that evolves around what we do is caring for other people and it's more of a service to the living than it is those that are passed you know, so, so we have to be very mindful. And as Richard touched on and as Brennan's touched on, these are people who lost loved ones over a, in Zoom call. You know, what is the matter with people that they can treat other people like that? I never could. Um, and I, I remember dressing and washing people, you know, at a time when other undertakers were taking coffins to the hospital and putting people straight in them in a sealed body bag. How can you do that to people? I wouldn't care, you know, what the risk was to me. I washed and dressed them the whole way through. And I remember waking up many mornings thinking, well, you know, taking a deep breath and thinking, well, I'm still not sick. I'm still not sick. It's, you know, it can't be that bad. And, you know, uh, <laughs> surely, uh, you know, if we stop caring for each other, we're no better than animals. We're no better than animals, you know, and we're better than that. And the only hope that humanity has to survive this onslaught is each other and caring for each other enough um you know i wouldn't hesitate to throw myself under a bus for a child in the road you know and i like to think that everybody else would be the same and i think that is one thing that i've learned over the last two years is assuming that everybody is wired the same way as you and they're not they're not Exactly. Um, and John, just on that point, I always, uh, you know, from the very beginning have always thought if the governments uh, and, and all the industries and corporations who've made this whole thing uh, possible, they've been so philanthropic and they've given us this wonderful cure to this, you know, dangerous <laughs> pandemic. Why didn't they cure world hunger? I mean, that's been going on yeah. for decades, apparently. And we could never solve that issue, but all of a sudden we can solve, you know, the cold and flu with this new um, 
death jab. But anyway, it's yeah, it, the mind. Exactly. Bottles. In fact, um, I, I'd like to extend the offer to Jacinda. She can have all five or six of my jabs, and I'll give them personally to her um, to to help protect her. Um, yeah, so just before, we've, we're almost at pretty much an hour and a half. Before we uh, wrap it up, well, we're going to invite you all, you know, if you've got any questions for each other, um, we'll open up the floor and then um, we'll have final comments. But, Calvin, have you got another yeah, question? Yeah, first of all, what I want to do for the audience who are watching, of course, this will go across multiple platforms and it will get shared around. We want as many eyes on this as we can. We want you to hear what's happening at the, let's just say, the really the tip of the spear. This is, you know, where this is this is the culmination of the plan your death simple as that you are battery farm humans you are and for those of you who managed to stay alive you're the hardware walking hardware and your jab will be the software upgrade as you slowly try to slide to transhumanism and this brave new bullshit world that they are trying to take us to that we don't want um richard if you can hold up those samples again so people can see the anomalies that are actually appearing within the bodies you guys are, are seen come across your tables and in your um businesses there you go people that is not normal and for some thing reason, is i have dozens i've had dozens of them i mean i got and the thing is um calvin if they prove which i'm sure it's coming it's the same the there's uh photos of ones that i took myself so it's, it's everywhere can't, um there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. They know. They know. Richard, can you just finish off your point there? Yes. If they prove that these vaccines are causing this growth, the number of dead from the vaccine will be through the roof yeah. because I just recently did a, 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 a percentage Last quarter, um, but years ago, maybe five, 10, maybe at the most 15% of the bodies I would embalm, I would encounter some form of clotting. Last quarter, I had only 12% of the bodies with no clots at all. So that means over 80% are clotted. And I would have to say over 50% have this stuff and not one is a vaccine-related death. And would you also say that the clotting you're encountering, not only is a complete anomaly and you haven't seen that before, this the jab rollout, but would you say that it's rare to see the such clotting in arteries and you'd, you'd get, say, small clotting right. in veins, you'd expect yeah, that. You'd never see, you'd never see clots in arteries. I, I, oh. I had a picture, I took a picture of one that I took out not long ago it was 33 inches long, which I believe is around 83 or 88 centimeters. Wow. Ephem ephemeral. Out of the, uh, out of the ephemeral artery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can um, get those pictures off you, Richard, and put them in post-production, potentially. Yeah, I'll, I'll ping you over. I've got loads of pictures. Uh, there's loads of them. Brilliant. Yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Yes, in my, uh, I have a folder now that I have over 167 images of these clots. And, um, you know, well, there's, yeah, got, there's uh, one I right got there. Ident identical things to this end, identical. 
Well, yeah. but that, like but they'll right grow, <laughs> they'll yeah. grow post mortem apparently. Mm. All right. So, do you guys have any? Um, in the mirror. <laughs> do you have any questions for each other? Maybe before we wrap it up, or any other comments you want to make? Personally, not me, because I know these guys see what I see. So, so we know, we know. There's nothing yeah. they could, you know. We know, we know. I just wish other people um, would speak out because. What do they think will happen to them when the last of us is gone? Will these people come out and say, well done for keeping the secret. There's a seat on the ark for you now and a vast sum of money. <laughs> they're not. They're witness to, to what's going on. These people, they're like eels in a barrel at the moment, all squirming yeah. around saying, not me, not me, not me, not me. You know, as people are being, I just, the, the short-sightedness, I just cannot believe how short, how selfish and short-sighted these people are. And and my message to you guys is don't be shouting and hollering about it as you're dragged off. Don't leave it right. that late, you know. Um, that's where we are. And the first rule of the assassin is kill the assassin. So all those who are helping this democide to uh, be rolled out, I suggest you start looking for a new employer, which is us. What about you, Brenton? Well, <clears throat> knowing, knowing that the rollout it was a three-year trial period i decided to wait you know if i buy a house or buy a car i'll do some research first i want to see the results of the um of the vaccine um tests prior to my decision of taking a vaccine or not mm. so you know i'll wait till next year to find the conclusive um answers and uh, it's looking pretty unlikely that i will take it so <laughs> 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 Yeah, even with Pfizer's own document saying, hey, we've killed all the lab animals, by the way, but we've just put that aside. Every other anomaly we've had, we've put under a special category, so it didn't have to be declared. And even the information that is damning that's now coming out, we've sort of got um, liability indemnification by your stupid governments anyway. Who knew, by the way, there was risk before they started jabbing you? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a fact. And I don't think they're allowed to do any research either. They were prohibited from it getting independent uh, lab testing as well, my understanding. So, wow. And you, Richard, have you got any final comments or questions for the others? Well, um, um, my, I, I like to, I, I, there's something about all of this that stuff that's happening in the world today that uh, brings me to the my spiritual center. And I feel like, here in this world, we've forgotten that we are subject to a, a creator. And I'm a Christian, obviously, but it reminds me so many times when I hear people, well, I had to get the shot to keep my job, or I can't say something because I will lose my position. I will lose the ability to practice as a doctor. I will lose, you know, a position of, of power or whatever. And it reminds me of the verse that was said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's a pretty hard pill. And I know nobody wants to be wrong, mm. but if people would just return to the idea that, you know, we have to be accountable to something above all of us worldly. I'm, you know, it doesn't matter whether you want to be a Muslim or a Christian or whatever, but if people would just sit there and realize you're going to have to answer to somebody at some point, 
and, and, and I look at the eternal, you know, how are you going to be able to live with yourself? And what's more important, your eternal life or your life here on earth? And so I feel like people just need to stand up to do what's right. It is about humanity itself. Yeah. You know, so I, Amen. You know, I commend both, both John, John O'Looney is, is really one of my heroes. He's the first wow. person I ever heard speak up. I would have liked to speak spoken up earlier, but as I was collecting, um, I wasn't collecting samples at the time, but I was collecting photographs of these strange clots that I was seeing. And uh, once I had, you know, a handful of them, then I was able to, to come forward. And these samples that I've co collected, I've, I've collected dozens of them. And I only started collecting these since the middle of March. And so here in just a, uh, in a matter of what, six or six and a half months, I've already collected close to a hundred of them. Wow. So this is nothing, you know, this is nothing, uh, at, this is, this is so bad that even if you could explain this for some strange rare disease, there's no way I would have this many samples in this short of a period of time, unless something is wrong. The sad so, thing you know, I've found is that the, it was, it was your job or the jab and uh, they yep. were mandating mandating the vaccine on people now they're turning around and saying well you had a choice and uh yeah yeah there is disgusting. no choice disgusting no choice. humans you know and that that for me is the hardest thing to accept is how can these people look at their self in the mirror you know what what goes through their mind there's a um a latin quote that i follow very closely i learned uh some many years ago and it's Temet Noski, and it means know thyself. Uh, and I wonder, do these people come home from work and do they think, what do they think? What goes through their mind? Oh, I poisoned another hundred today. Or, you know, how can they how can they stick a needle in someone's arm knowing the risks and seeing who's presenting to them the following week and still continue to do it? I fail to understand. And this, again, goes back to... Um, assuming everyone is wired in the same way that you are and clearly they're really not you know and um i'm very shocked at the lack of empathy and compassion and consideration that people seem to have for each other for each other you know why can't we go back to a time that we had perhaps in our youth where the the two things i had as a child was a bicycle yellow chopper and something called the great outdoors you know, now we've got kids. One of the most telling things for me are our school photos. When you look at a school photo from the 80s and you look at a school photo now, and I look at it and I could weep. Are we moving forwards or are we being dragged backwards? You know, people think they're better off because they've got a flat screen telly and an iPad. It's, it's terrible. Things need to change. And I sense I'm encouraged because I see a great awakening and I see more and more people awake to what's happened. We're very much in the scenario that it is David and Goliath. And and I sense the apprehension to be brutally honest, guys, um, because there are consequences. And I get that. I get that. Yep. I stopped caring about myself a long time ago. If I was bothered about the consequences to me, I would have never have spoke. Uh, and I would urge everyone else to to realize, to look forward and see the direction that humanity is going in under these demons and act now. You know, don't be shouting at walls inside a cell wishing you had, you know, um, now is the time to do it now. 
Yep, exactly right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get each one of you to give us an idea of where people can find you. Uh, if, the, if you're like uh, Brenton, you've got uh, engagements coming up. Where can people keep an eye on those? How do they follow you? Because your information is important and other interviews you do as well, people can share those and we just share the hell out of everything. Because if the mainstream media are going to be locked to us, we'll blast the back door and we'll just spread it anyway. So uh start okay. with brenton or brenton let us know where people can follow you if you go on into any social media um yeah i don't have a high social media following um you will now well uh i'm a justice of the peace and uh we're, we're required to be neutral in our approach to the government so we're not allowed to speak out politically about anything uh so i don't have any social media that would allude to that um my i have a website which is my funeral home that my surname is the name of the company faithful funeral services the phone numbers on there emails on there people can reach out um that way Great. excellent thank you richard well i have no real social media um i don't work for a funeral home i'm not selling any books i have no website <laughs> i accept no money uh, <laughs> the only thing i i am on facebook and I am public, so people can reach out to me on Facebook. It's just simply Richard Hirschman. Um, you know, and, and I've had a lot of friend requests, and I've had certain things, and some of them, you know, if you send me something that seems really kind of questionable, don't be offended if I don't accept, because I don't always know who's trying to uh, infiltrate my social media. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, you know I, I don't have really anything, uh, no websites, other than, I mean, I'm on Facebook and people can message me. And um, if you let me know where you hear me from and you want to speak to me, let me know. And most of the time I will respond unless there's something inside of your message that makes me question your intent. Like I want you to take a booster. <laughs> yes, three of them. <laughs> so that, 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 means, uh. that means we want you to be silent. <laughs> All right, John, finally. So so for me, um, brand new tube, um, brand new tube is the place I've got a channel on there. John Looney, MKFFS. Um, again, I'm not interested in money. I've been offered money. I don't want money. I don't want anyone's money. It's never, ever been about me. And trust me, this is uh, notoriety. I really don't want. I just want to be a funeral director and a dad uh, and a husband. You know, um, uh, I'm also on Telegram. Um I, I run Milton King's family funeral services. People know who I am. I've been very um, open about who I am because that verifies who I am because yeah. otherwise, I, so this for me, the journey first started with the YouTube comment where I was seeing all this hysteria about COVID and I kind of felt compelled to, to comment on one particular post and said, well, in honesty, as a funeral director, that's not what I'm seeing. Um, and this is what I'm seeing. Uh, and, and I kind of, uh, I had about, you get notified whenever there's a like and I had about 500 likes within a, a week or so. And then I was watching YouTube late one night because I love watching documentaries and history. I'm really into history. And um, uh, all of a sudden I got kicked out of YouTube. So I tried to log back in and they banned me and they banned me from Facebook. You know, I would say to you this, you know, when I'm getting audience with Sir Graham Brady, the most powerful political um, politician in the UK and I'm working on the cold face as a funeral director and I'm seeing something terribly terribly wrong happening why wouldn't these people want to listen to what I've got to say that for me is the most chilling thing um, people can reach out to me uh, uh, at the funeral home and I, I'm 
I've got 7,000 emails in my inbox to, to give you an idea. I would, I would, I would speak to one person to tell them my story. I would speak to a thousand. I don't care because the objective here is to save a life, to prevent a parent taking a child in through fear, through mind psyops where they've been, uh, they're so worried about everything that they're taking their child in and that child's going to be sterilized and that child's going to be damaged and potentially die from myocardia. You know, please, guys, if you feel the need to verify who I am, reach out to me, Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. I know Richard is very approachable and Brent is very approachable. Yeah. I would urge the rest of you, you know, when you get these kids coming to you in coffins, know that you could have done something and didn't. Yeah. You know, now is say. the time. Yeah, speak out now. Now is the time. Um, or, or you've got to look at yourself in the in the mirror and know that you could have done something and didn't. John, I understand in England also it was a funeral director who exposed Dr. Death as well. Nobody yeah. else other than the funeral directors. Yeah, of course. Of course, we're in a unique – We're in, the, and, and you're exactly right, Brendan. We're in a unique position on the coal face, uh, and I've been in a unique position. I've also laid in a hospital bed and seen what they've done, um, which is an, another story. But I, I would urge people, please, you know, forget – facebook and netflix and tiktok and current events and look and educate yourself before you take your child for a gene therapy that's going to damage them forever yep the truth really is uh stranger than fiction and the other quote that i want to say before we wrap up is the truth will set you free but first it will piss you Amen. off so Amen. hopefully um you've Amen. learned something today with these brave three heroes that we've got here maybe you have got a little bit pissed off maybe you're a bit confused but hang in there um keep following the interviews find them online and like um john's saying seek out the truth it is it is a very strange world that we live in and it is a fascinating ride and we need more of you uh, to join us obviously here at counterspin we've got our own censorship struggles that we um, are not giving into we do need your support uh, we do have you know our lawyers bills and we need to replace all our equipment so please don't forget to go and check out counterspinmedia.com if you do want to donate a coffee or you can make a small donation please do that um, and we just want to thank you three gentlemen for giving us your, your time stars. yeah it's been an amazing amazing um amazing sure. interview we can't and do it without you guys so well done well done and it's been a world first to have you three on a on a, a round table so hopefully yeah take that other platforms boom i can't imagine <laughs> i can't imagine better company and and uh, i think i speak on behalf of everyone when i say we'd be more than happy to speak to everyone we possibly can before the ability to do so is stopped that's right. So reach out to these guys, get them on your platforms and keep the conversation going. Calvin, what have you got? Remember to what, what prevents most people from speaking out of the mechanisms by which you are bound only by deciding which side of the fence you're going to go on because it is time to pick a side. There is no neutrality anymore. You're under attack. People are getting killed. If you're going to continue to say not my problem, then you're just as bad as the people doing it. That is an absolutely unequivocal fact. And I'm not backing my way from it. And Jacinda Ardern, yes, you are a murderous hag. You should be in, on trial. And so should all the minions that have uh, been propagating this with you. That includes every single 120 politicians we have in this New Zealand parliament, the medical council, the top academia who have sold their souls as well. All of you, the top 15% of you must go. Yep. So thanks Amen. everybody for watching and thanks to all of you who have supported us and these gentlemen. We, we, you know, we do it for you guys and um, we really appreciate you hanging in there with us. And if the police are going to visit again, bring tea and biscuits.
<laughs> and we'll look forward to your next visit because I tell you what, when you raided us last time, you thought you were going to get all the information for what we're going to expose. You didn't. I know the playbook. It's all off site. Nice try. But come again, please. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Kelvin. Thank you. Take Thank you, you very much, guys. Take care. Thank you, Brenton. And thank you, Richard. And um, just keep doing it. Keep doing it because they will follow us in the same way you have. It will happen because it would be undeniable. You know, so let's keep going and be uh, and meet the, our maker with a clean conscience. Amen. Right. Amen to that. Amen. That God bless you. Amen. Take care, guys. That's an excellent way to finish. Thank you. Thank you. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.